thanks for being here. It's good to see everybody. If you have your Bibles opened up to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, as we continue our sermon series at all three campuses called Bring It In. North and East are on the same uh, series as well this week. And so uh, as we continue to, uh, to lead our, our church towards unity. Uh, but as you're turning to Philippians chapter 1, I, I want to take this opportunity before this service is over to invite you back to Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday night is, go- is going to be a, a message called uh, Three on Three. You're actually not a message, but it, we're calling it Three on Three. Three men from our church will be sharing uh, their testimonies and sharing their life verses. And so that happens uh, this Wednesday night. Uh, Charlie Morrison will be sharing with us. Josh McLaughlin will be sharing with us. And Daniel Terry will be sharing with us on Wednesday night. So, so come back and encourage them and, and hear from them and let them encourage you as uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from these men and uh, look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. So that'll be Wednesday night at 6.30. And uh, again, we'll continue now in Philippians chapter 1. Last week we made the point that every team has a reason. Every team has a reason and the reason, ultimate reason for the church is the glory of God. And that's what this scripture says. The scripture says that all glory belongs to God, glory to God in the church, glory to God in Jesus. And so we discussed that last week. Last week we looked at Paul's, really his personal ambition towards that reason, towards that why. Paul's ambition was to, he fully expected uh, to never be ashamed for Christ. He fully expected to be bold for Christ. He fully expected for his life, his very physical body to honor Christ. And then he also said that his fruitful work would be for Christ, his ongoing service. So basically what he is teaching the church is that we're headed towards unity. Let me tell you why personally I'm going to be unified in the church is because of all these things. Now, remember, Paul said that he longed to go to heaven. Paul was like, I I, I long to be with Jesus. I'm ready to go right now, but if I have to stay, I'll stay for your benefit. I'm going to work for you, church, if I have to stay. This is what the Apostle Paul was teaching. And so we get some of that help from him in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. This is where his instruction on unity begins. And so today, uh, we're going to be in one verse the entire time. We'll be looking at different verses of Scripture throughout, but we'll be in one verse the entire time. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 The scripture says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy about the good news about Christ. Then whether I come to see you or I only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you again and again, asking you to do what we cannot. Lord, we cannot all guide ourselves into all truth. Lord, we cannot come up with our own standard. We cannot save ourselves, so we look to you. Lord, we look to you for guidance today, for divine instruction. Lord, we need to hear from Almighty God about what's right and what's real. And Lord, as your church, as your organization, would you unify us around your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, notice the first two words that he says there in verse 27. Paul says, above all. This is on the front of this verse that is leading the church into unity. And understand, again, where he's taking the church. Very short, very sweet. Paul is taking them to the same place. He wants us all to be on the same page. The word together is mentioned twice in this one verse. 
And as Paul moves on, he's going to mention it again and again. The word together, that the body is to love one another, to work together, to stand together, one mind, one purpose. This is an obvious, ultimate message of unity, as he says to begin with, above all. This is basically Paul saying, I'm about to talk about a bunch of stuff, but above all of it, I need you to bring it in right here. Y'all all got to be unified together. Otherwise, none of this will work. Our nation has always had division. The United States of America has always had discord. That's, that's nothing new. Uh, and In fact, I, I, I can remember thinking about our history as a country growing up, and, and there would be different wars and different divisions. But truth be told, our, our country, as far as my lifetime goes, I think this is the most divided we've ever been. Seems to be. Seems to be the most discord that we've ever had, and so calling us the United States is a bit of a stretch, it seems. Or maybe this is why Paul, before addressing unity in the church, not the country, in the church, is saying, above all, if you're going to be effective, if you want to accomplish God's purpose, you've all got to do it together, otherwise you're working against it. Above all. All. Above all means the urgent only thing needed. That's what it actually means. Above all means the urgent only thing needed. It means be careful for this and nothing else. It means only. You see, if unity is not above all and worked by all, then the reason that we're here and the rep representation of why we're here will be different. We'll all have different reasons. We'll all rep Christ differently. Because we're not all on the same page. Wouldn't it be nice for our local, state, and national government to take a cue for what unity in the body and working together looks like if they took it from the local church? Because that's what God had in mind, is for the church to represent one body moving in one spirit and one purpose. But let's be honest, who are we kidding? There'll be as many folks today that is critical of their church, members of their church, critical, critical to their church on social media, as there will be citizens of this country. That'll happen this afternoon. Why does the church do this and not this? The church needs to sing this, these songs and this amount of songs. Critical of the leadership, critical of the following, critical of the opening, of the closing... Critical from its own members and not standing together, not fighting with each other or fighting for the church together, but fighting amongst each other. And if Satan can get inside our church and divide it inside of our homes and divide it, the ministry stops and God gets a different look than he had to begin with. This is a good place to be reminded of who is responsible for the unity. This is a good place for, for us to be reminded of who Paul, under the inspiration of God, wrote this letter to. Look in Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. As he's writing, Paul says, I am, I am writing to all of God's holy people. Now notice, this is interesting because he says, I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and the deacons, including the leadership. I'm writing to everybody that's there with you. Does it include the leadership? Absolutely. It starts with them. But everybody is responsible for the unity of the local church. That's the truth of, of God's word that it's written to all of us. Sometimes, and for some reason, we think the responsibility of all Christian character, conduct, and service belongs to anybody with a title inside of the church. But the truth is, in my opinion, that anybody on the inside of the church that has a title was working for this a long time ago before they ever got one assigned to them. That the responsibility of the church is to be unified us together. 
And again, sometimes that we think that that belongs to certain people, but according to Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, the responsibility is for all of us. If you are a believer and a follower of Christ, and this is your local church. Now, I mean, this is not what I mean. I don't mean if you're a member here. I mean, when people ask you where you go to church, if you tell them Lindsay Lane, that doesn't, mean if you're, or that doesn't matter if you're a member, a regular, an attender, a frequent visitor. If you go to church here and this is your church or you go to East or North, if Lindsay Lane is your church, then unity is your responsibility. It's all of us. Because we're working on something bigger than just attending. We all get that, right? We're working something, something bigger than just being here and letting, letting the Lord pour into us once a week. This is bigger than just that. We all have the responsibility of building up and not tearing down. We all have the responsibility of encouragement over criticism. We all have the responsibility of serving over watching. This is all of us together. I, I know, and in, in me and some of my buddies that have coached together for the last few years for our children, something that we say to them often is, don't watch the game, play the game. Because small kids, when they first begin to play, they'll get hit in the throat and in the head and everything because they're only just watching. They're not being a part of it. Somebody gets the ball, they throw it to first base, and the first baseman's looking at him like, good job, and he ain't covering first. You know why? Because he's watching it. He's not playing it. Church is not a spectator kind of thing. It's where we all get involved because we are responsible in that part of unity, of serving God by serving the body. When we consider attending and landing in a church, we often consider plugging into a group. And I like where your head's at on that. We all need to be a part of a group. We even want to learn more about service, and that's good too, because we all need to be serving. We need to be moving with the body. And I like where your head's at on that too. But Paul said before even those things, before a group, before service, before ministry, unity. You gotta be in. Everybody's got, everybody's got to bring it in under this responsibility. And we can't fix this, fix this at every church. But we can fix it at our church. We can be unity in the local body. We can be this at Lindsay Lane. This is a biblical call to unity at this local church as much as it was for the church at Philippi. That's why God's got it in here. Because while this may not be God's word to us, it is still God's word for us. Even now, as the word of God is alive and active, it does, it's not going to die. The message and purpose is not going to die out. And I would like to take this opportunity to say thank you because since January and since, especially since March, since all this stuff has happened and we've had to make decision after decision about what to do and how to do it and mask and no mask and cleaning and when to clean and every Monday was like starting a new month. It was craziness, craziness. In fact, it was so crazy. At one time, I called Miss Patsy and I said, "Hey, I'm calling to give your husband's job back." <laughs> May have told you that before. Still, it was it was it was really challenging for sure. But God is faithful, and you were encouraging, so gracious. You would send so many texts and cards and emails of encouragement, and it helped it helps the staff. When you build people up, they want to keep going. That's the responsibility from me to you, and from you to me, and all of us together. This is a unified thing. It's for all, the Scripture says. The Scripture says in chapter 1, verse 27, in the first part of that verse, which is where we're going to camp out, you must live as citizens of heaven. Paul is uniting them under a name, and we're going to see under a location, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Now, if you are reading a different version than me, yours may say, let your conversation 
be, as it, as it is becometh of the gospel of Christ. That may be what your says. Or maybe your version of your scripture says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So how does the New Living Translation get to citizens of heaven? The thought for let your conversation be or let your manner of life be comes from a Greek word standing for that phrase. And that Greek word is palatuomai. Now, I think that's how you pronounce it. But I'm not sure, and you're not either. <laughs> so, if I, as I've looked it up, that word palatuomai, the root word of that word is palat or polis, which means city. And this literally means citizen. Therefore is the thought-by-thought thought translation that you are citizens of heavy, of heaven, and that your conduct and conversation is to be that of heaven, is to be that to represent the glory of God, the gospel of Christ. Let your conversation be like you represent a citizenship that's in heaven. Let your manner of life be that you are representing not this city, not this country, not this state, but that you are representing heaven. As the election draws near and November just keeps creeping up on us, the Apostle Paul says, y'all want to get political? Let's get political. All of you that are believers are citizens of heaven. That's the word of God. Now, some of us don't even like to hear that. Our, our allegiance to certain things, we need to check that and check our heart because the word of God says our citizenship is in heaven. And your walk and your talk and our walk and our talk should be going towards the same place and end on the same page. Now, here's the rest of the sermon right here. If you want to write it down, you can write it down. But as citizens of heaven, we must rep the name, stand the same, and play the game. As citizens of heaven, we must rep the name, stand the same, and play the game. Every team has a name. And a team's name ought to bring about a sense of pride. A team's name ought to bring about a, a sense of distinctiveness. And often the team's name represents the location because location represents identity. Every team, you'll see this especially in professional sports, every fan base talks about how their city is the toughest, how their city is the most hardworking, how their city is the strongest. There's a city of brotherly love there's the city that never sleeps. There's the big easy. There's the emerald city. But Paul reminds us here in Philippians chapter 1 and then again in Philippians chapter 3 verses 19 through 20 saying not only to think about this life, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we eagerly await for him to return as our Savior. Lord, help us to get it today in Jesus' name. Not to think only about this life, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Sometimes in my conduct, in my character and conversation, I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't think Jesus lives there. Do you? So this is what Paul's getting at. That I'm pretty sure that the scripture says they will know we are Christians by our love, not our vote. But our love. And so be reminded of where you're from. Amen? Be reminded of where we come from. Has anybody ever told you, don't forget where you come from? My granddaddy told me that, me and my sister, the day we left for college. Don't forget where y'all come from. What does that mean? That means you represent a name that represents a location, and that name and location is where the rest of your family is. You represent us no matter where you go. 
Paul is saying, you all that are believers in Jesus, followers of Christ, expecting to bust heaven wide open because of the grace of God extended to you through Jesus, which you have received, you represent the location that is called heaven. So your actions and your conduct and your character needs to represent more up here and less down here. Now the scripture says in John chapter 3, verse 3, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Keep in mind what we're talking about. We're talking about location, where we're from. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again is literally translated born from above. You are from above. You are born from above. So for those of of us who follow Christ and trust him for our entrance into heaven, right standing with God forever, we are born from above. That is where we are from. Every team has a name. The name represents the location. Once we are in Christ, our documents may say that we are citizens of the United States, but our devotion must say that we are citizens of heaven. The scripture says that eternal life is written on our hearts. Eternal life is written on our hearts. And because of Jesus Christ, right standing with God, eternal life in heaven, don't forget where you come from. You're from above. You're born again. But sometimes we act like we have dual citizenship. Make a note of that. Sometimes we act like we have dual citizenship. Dual citizenship means that we are a person that has right legal standing in two countries with legal right and obligation in both of those countries. We are not obligated to this world. We are not obligated to ourselves. What I'm saying is that for many of us, and and not all the time, but on certain days... We're one person on one day and one person on another. We're one person in one crowd and one person in another. Now, we walk up in here with all these holy shoes on. Man, we ready to worship God, keep our mouth right, not cussing here because you don't cuss in church. We treat everybody nice in here. We put on a smile and we go right back home and start arguing. We go into the workplace or, or maybe we're around here. We're around our family. We're around our in-laws. My mother-in-law's here today. She's got to straighten up Mac right. But then you get around your buddies and you start talking a different way. That's dual citizenship. See, we, we, we act like we're born from above in one hour and in the next hour, now we're born from somewhere else. And the problem with that, church, is that when we adopt this way of life, we give a representation to the world on the outside looking in that our heavenly father's okay with it, and he ain't. <laughs> and here's how I know why. James chapter 4 says in verse 4, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. If we represent this world more than we represent being born from above, we are creating a distance between ourselves and God. Truth of the scripture. Now, here's something we need to look out for. I know you're going to think I'm meddling, and I probably am, but I really want to make this point, all right? So if you have a connection to what I'm about to give as an illustration, this is, I wouldn't call you out in front of all of us for anything in the world. I wouldn't make fun of you for anything in the world. But we need to talk about this because it leads to something that will help us distinguish ourselves being from above, being citizens of heaven and being of this world. There's signs and shirts that are being made now and sold on all kinds of different websites and bought in bunches and used in all different various forms. They say things like this. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Y'all seen those? 
chill out. <laughs> like, I feel like if somebody's wearing that today, I apologize, all right? Because it's about to get awkward for a second. But no, um, y'all seen these things, right? We've seen these things. And, and truthfully, I'm not here to condemn that. If you have that shirt or if you have that something on your wall, I'm not here to condemn that. Because in a way, it really does. It's just a lighthearted way of admitting our need for God, right? It's just a lighthearted way for us to be reminded that we're not perfect, that we do need a Savior, and I get that. And I, that's why I'm not, I'm, I'm not condemning that. I'm using this as an example. But things like this, like this saying in our world, give the outside looking in the impression that we're bilingual. It gives the outside looking in the impression that we're from two different places. Like we're from above on Sundays and Wednesdays, and when we do our quiet time, but we're from somewhere else when we get around different people. We're bilingual. We're from two different countries. And again, when we do this, we're, we're distancing ourselves from the God who saved us and giving more allegiance and more representation to the world. If I said to you, I'm American, but I speak Japanese, you would be like, now how is that? And you would ask the question, where does that influence come from? Right? And it's not just about our language, it's about our conduct, it's about our conversation, yes, it's about our character. But Paul, as he is unifying the church, he says, above all, you must live as citizens like y'all come from the same place. Like you are taught by the same family. Like you are all going in the same direction, on the same page. Otherwise, it looks like you're going in different directions, from different places, and why should the world even take a look at you? Because that's the way that everything else is. This is how important this is. This is, how, this is why God puts unity on my heart so much. Look around you. There's a ton of folks here. It's important that we're all going in the same direction with the same influence. So bring it in on this church. Citizenship in heaven comes with a responsibility of conversation and conduct that represents the place, the scripture says, where Jesus lives. And sometimes... We act like we are citizens of heaven, and sometimes we act like we are from the United Nations of sin, self, and the world. Citizens of heaven rep the name. Amen? We rep the name. Citizens of heaven stand the same. If you look in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, the latter half of that verse says, Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, which means whether I'm with y'all or I, even, or I just hear of your reputation, because you couldn't be with them all the time. Wanted to be there all the time. Says, with whether I come to see you or I only hear about you, I will know you are what? You are standing together with one spirit. Standing together with one spirit. Now, I learned this week that standing together or standing fast, your version may say, is a military term. It means to be stationary without, with no intention of moving. It has to do with perseverance and endurance. You will not move off of who you are. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water, Lord, we will not be moved. This is a military term meaning we're not going to budge. This is a reference to the church in Philippi that they would have understood because they were members of the Roman Empire and the Roman army was bad for real. They ruled the world for a long time. I mean, they were, they were tough to deal with, a conquering army. And so as he is making this point to the church, he is saying to them, you yourselves are also one body, meant to be big and bad for the purposes and the glory of God for a long time. And so he uses this term. Now, it's interesting. I studied this this week. As he is putting together this connection between the church and the army, the Roman army often fought in what was called a triple line. Now, history teaches us this. A triple line for the Roman army... 
they would have three lines that were staggered and they would spread out all across the land. And history says that they were uh, of so many that at one time it could stretch upwards of a mile long. Can you imagine that? Three lines of Roman soldiers that would spread out even across a mile. Almost like looking at the water from the beach. Now, in those three lines, you, you had the back line. The back line were, were the legionnaires. The back line what was the guys that were the veterans. They had been through war before. They were seasoned. They could tell you what to do and how to do it. They were in the back, the strongest, the best, and the brightest, and the most experienced were in that back line. The next line was the line that, of guys that had some military training, some military experience, but not as much as the third. And then the front line was the rookies. Thanks, <laughs> right? That front line were those guys that had no experience or little experience, very little training. They did not know how to handle a war like those guys behind them. And so why in the world would the Roman army have the most experienced and seasoned behind the guys in the front? Is it so they could just get killed off first? No, it's because if that front line and their immaturity decided that they wanted to desert that army or go a different direction, the guys behind them said, we don't do it like that here. Get up there and fight. Standing together. One in spirit. One in purpose. Fighting together. That's not how it goes down here. Wouldn't that be awesome if in every church, those that are seasoned Christians, those that are mature in their understanding of the faith, those that are walking in their witness, they are seeking hard after the Lord. They're not perfect, but they're living by God's grace and they got power over their sin. They're on that back line. When that front line started making trouble, wouldn't it be good if those that are mature in every one of our local churches said to that front line, that ain't how we do it around here. We don't fall apart like that church you came from. That's not how we act in here. We don't complain every second. We don't say amen in here and then go eat at a restaurant and talk bad about folks. That's not how we do it in here. That's not how this church goes. This, this is the way that we do it. And what if that front line, because again, one of the reasons was that they were in the front line was not so that they could be corrected all the time. A lot of times those guys in the front line would be scared to death. So scared about what was coming. And the two lines behind them would get right up in there and say, I got your back. You fight on. I'm right behind you. Don't we need that too? Don't we go through things? Isn't life tough? Sometimes we want to quit and we want to lay down. Sometimes we forget who we are in Christ and we live in our flesh and we act like crazy and we need somebody behind us to go, don't quit. Don't quit. We got you, man. We're holding you up. Now the question is, which line are you in, church? Which line are you in? Some of you are in the first line and you need to be because this is brand new. Some of you in the second line, that second line's good because there's, there's seasoning and experience. But can I tell you something? I think a majority of the church stays in that second line, and you're supposed to be in that third line. That's where we're headed because the second line is easy to stay in. We don't have the responsibility of the third line, but we know that folks don't think we're in the first. Whew. Man, that'll preach. I didn't even have that in my notes. That's where we like to stay. Where, where God would have us to move towards sanctification, towards spiritual maturity. Because we don't have everything together, but we've been in it long enough now, we can show you where to go. Show you things that we don't do. Show you the things that we do. We are standing together, one in spirit. 
Some of us have been in the church for 50 years standing in the first line. My Lord. Some of us still. First line of the battle. Immature and green, but we've been in this place for 50 years. That makes no sense. Standing together, one in spirit, one purpose, fighting together. Standing together means this, or with one spirit, means this mental disposition. It's the way that we think. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So where Paul is leading us all is to think about things that please God while we are standing together. And this is not just in this church. It's also in the universal church, outside of the walls, and the organizations that you are a part of that would be Christian. You're standing together in our homes, for goodness sakes. We're to be going in the same direction so that we can help somebody else that's on the first line. Listen, this is what I really see in this. I know marriage is hard, man. Family's hard. Work's hard. Working beside folks is hard. You know why? Because we're all annoying. All of us. I'm annoying and you are too to some folks at some time. But see, if, if we, we've been married so long and been in church so long and been in Christian parachurch ministry so long, we ought to have doctorates in this stuff. Why? So that we can help somebody that's coming in that's new. New families, new members, new marriages. Get it straight under the Lordship of Christ, amen? And how do we do that? Those that are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, amen? Finally, Citizens of heaven rep the name, stand the same, and citizens of heaven play the game. I'm not trying to create an athletic reference. <laughs> I'm not, also not trying to make light of our efforts. This is actually where the scripture is leading us. When the scripture says citizens of heaven that fight together, one in, standing together, one in spirit, with one purpose, fighting together. Citizens of heaven play the game. Fighting together, as it says there, means actually, it actually means to wrestle in company with. Depending on where you're from in the South, that could be to wrestle in company with, right? <laughs> Some of my good friends never say wrestle. They say wrestle with an A like it's spelled differently. But this is, this is what the scripture says. To, to wrestle together with, to wrestle in company with, to, to strive together for a prize is what that means. What is Paul calling us? Paul's calling us a team. We're on a team. Maybe it's time for you today to say, hey, I'm tired of playing around. We're ready to join this team. We're ready to be a part of it, to be a part of something that's greater than ourselves. We are pictured, as Paul puts it in a word or two ago, as an army, and now he's putting it together as a team. Teams are what? Teams have individuals that are gifted. But they don't all have the same gift. Teams have individuals that have responsibilities, but they don't all have the same responsibility. But what do they have that's united? The same reason. Got the same reason. So they take what they have, they take their gifting, they take their responsibility, they play for the same reason and under the same name that represents the same location. If, if Paul is saying that we're a team, y'all know what's not on a team? Spectators. As much as some of you like to think that you 
are part of the University of Alabama or Auburn University, you're not unless you're on the team. Some of us would die for them. <laughs> and the coach don't even know who you are. You were broken down on the side of the road and needed a, a, a spare tire change. They wouldn't stop and help you. And some of you are like, saving wood, saving get it done. That's why Brother Dusty did that video in his office with Bear Bryant in the background. He thought y'all would give more if he had Bear Bryant in the background. Well, it has the adverse effect on me. Let's tell you. I'm just kidding. We laughed about that yesterday. Where's I going with that? Our allegiance. Our allegiance to, to some of the things that we have allegiance for. We don't play on those teams. We're spectators. We're not a part. We don't have a gift to be used on those teams. We don't even have a responsibility on those teams. We just want them to entertain us. We're just spectators. We are not in the game. Church, if you are in Christ, you are to be in the game. For the life of me, I've never seen, even reading before I was a preacher, before I had any role in ministry, as I read the scripture, I don't see any part of me coming into church, soaking it up and going home. That's not what's in here. <laughs> So, so as he, again, is writing in Philippians chapter 1 to the church, all of y'all, all of y'all, as he's saying in Philippians chapter 1, the responsibility of unity, the responsibility of serving and fighting and standing together is every single person in here who has Jesus as their Savior and Lord. But while all of this is about unity, sadly, churches lose out on this all the time. Because they're not fighting together for the faith, they're just fighting. Christian organizations, Christian universities, Christian schools, Christian families, Christian churches are often fighting against one another. And Satan's just laughing at us. Just laughing because he knows that a house divided against itself will fall. If we are distracted, struggling against one another, we're certainly not united against real opposition. And what happens? We don't rep the name, and we forget the reason. Uh, some of you know this. I, I used to coach before I got into ministry full-time. I was uh, an assistant coach at, at Tanner High School for their uh, varsity basketball and varsity baseball team. And um, we had some really good teams. It was fun. Had, had good leaders there. Austin Marsh, who's in this church, was our baseball coach. Chris Witt was our basketball coach. I mentioned those guys' names because those are high-character guys. I love doing that, speaking well about them. But we had good teams, we had good leaders. And one time in, um, in a county championship, we were playing Elkmont in basketball. And they were good. And we, we got up there at the, before half, it was about six or eight points. We stretched the lead out to six or eight points, and we had a lead. And we're going to the locker room, feeling pretty good. And for whatever reason, I had to go to the other end of the court. And when I did... The Elkmont team was running into the locker room, and their three best players were fighting amongst themselves. We went on a little run. They faced a little bit of adversity, and now they're bickering towards each other. I was like, yes. <laughs> I went into our locker room. The coach is standing there. I said, y'all can hang it up. So what are you talking about? So I just walked by their locker room. Their three best players are at each other's throats. This game's over. And they were like, well, we'll see. And, of course, like our head coach was like, well, don't tell the team that. You know? Guess what happened? Second half, wore them out. Why? They beat themselves before they ever came on the floor in the third quarter. It's time to stop 
fighting against one another so that we can win. Not saying that there's a whole lot going in on that. Or like there's a whole lot of that going on in here. But if we don't continue this message, there's so many people and so many opportunities here, we'll end up fighting against one another. Can I give you a piece of wisdom that I hope our staff tries to abide by, which is the, the leadership value of clenched fists, which basically is just the, the open hand slap will do some good, but the clenched fist will knock you out. That's probably a bad, anyway, like it just, it's good to be reminded of that. But it's, it's the clenched fist of unity. Can I tell you something? If you've got something going on between you and somebody else in here, just do this for me. Deal with it or drop it. Either go to them and deal with it or drop it. Because if you have gathered yourself, 50 people around you, to hear your side of it, now that other person has gathered 50 people around them, and now a church, no matter how big they are, is beginning to be divided, and now we've forgotten the reason. We're not even here for the glory of God to serve people so they can hear the message of the gospel. We're going to come in here and see what they're going to do the next time we're in here. If all you're doing is talking to other folks about what's going on, it doesn't mean enough to you to talk to them. So, deal with it or drop it. How big a deal is this? Above all kind of deal. Above all, unity. Above all, standing together. Above all, fighting together. For what? For the reason. What does the scripture say? For the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know everything that we do here, everything that we do, and in our volunteer ministries, we are praying for those to come back very soon, making plans and preparing for this church to be back on track. If we have to step back, we will, but then we're going to step forward. But, but did you know that every single thing that we do here, from somebody smiling at you, which they better be smiling at you when you walk in, handing you a bulletin, child care, children's ministry, student ministry, Everything, we, the, the, the choir and orchestra that gets here but before most all of us get here. Putting in the time and the work to lead you in worship. That is also that we can sit in here and hear the good news of the gospel. It's to lead you into hearing and the, the preaching and the teaching of the only name by which we must be saved. It's also that we can hear the good news that, have you heard the good news? The good news starts with the bad news. The, the bad news is that we're all sinners. The bad news is from the pastor to the prisoner, we've all got sin. Every single one of us. And the bad news is, is, is that in our sin, we are separate from God. The scripture says, for the wages of sin is death. What we earn because of sin is death. Well, who's got sin? Every single one of us. 8 to 80, all of us. That's bad. That means separation from God now, and when we die, eternal separation from God. That's fear and trembling. But the good news, the good news is that God is love. That God has given of himself and made a way for me and for you, sinners who are dying in sin, to be right with God and experience new life. That God has given himself, he sent his son to live a real life to show us how to live. To die a real and sacrificial death on our behalf for our sins. To be the sacrifice in that system so that we may have new life. And not only that, but Jesus and all the power of the spirit of God raised from the dead to give those who have their faith in him hope, living hope of eternal life. That changed my life. I grew up in a Christian culture and a good family. 
But when I heard that, I realized at 11 years old, I too am a sinner. If I die tonight knowing who I am, I would be wrong before God, not right before God. So I got up in a church that my family brought me to as I sat right back there on that back row. And I heard a preacher tell me the same thing I just told you. And I went home and got on my knees and called out to God, save me and forgive me. I proclaim my faith in Jesus Christ. Since that day, it's not been a perfect picture ever since, but God changed me. It made all the difference. So now what I want to do is I want to have everybody in here working together so we get to tell somebody else that day after day. United. One in spirit, one in purpose. Warren Wearsby said, each church is but one generation short of potential extinction. So what shall it be? Fight together for the gospel or fight? Let's stand to our feet. As you are standing, I'm praying that, that your response would be immediate. That if you need to be right with God, today's the day. We had, we had members join last week. They came and they just said, we want to join the church. Just something real simple, real serious. I need to be saved. I need to join the church. I need to be baptized. I need to take the next steps. I want to get involved. Something real simple. But we've also got this altar. If you want to pass right on by us and say, I got this myself, brother, and I'm going to pray and receive Christ on, the, on my knees right by the altar, you can do that right where you are. Don't wait and don't ask for If you know that you need God, call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Amen? Lord... Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how you're taking care of this church. Thank you, Lord, for the good people of this church. And I just pray, oh, Lord, that if we are in your favor, we'd stay in your favor. Lord, if, if we are tracking and there is unity, God, that we would maintain it. Lord, spirit, that you give us strength to do so. But, Lord, if, if we are in a place where we need more unity in our homes, in our churches, in our offices, in our circles of influence... Lord, that we would remember our reason. That we would represent your name. That we would stand together, fight together. One spirit, one purpose. I pray that that begins with me and us. And that we carry it with us when we leave here. Lord, if there are those that need to be saved, or they need to take next steps in their faith, that they would do so. In Jesus' name, amen.